Correct. Yeah, welcome along to the podcast, episode 34 on a Friday afternoon, the 22nd of March 2019. It's been another big week. It's been one week since the uh, devastating news in Christchurch. Um, so we pay our respects uh, to uh, all those who lost lives. But uh, welcome along, John Daddo from Constatech. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Tim. So, uh, John, um, I've known John for quite a while through uh, various uh, networking groups. Uh, so, John, I guess what we like to do first uh, to start off the podcast is just a bit about your uh, background. I know I'd like to sort of get a fair bit of uh, useful information out to the listeners today. But but before we start, before we start sort of discussing some of the stuff uh, which I know um, users will get a lot out of, just a bit a bit about your background. So, whereabouts were you born? I was born here in Brisbane. It's a Brisbane yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, Brisbane, yeah. But I only lived here for one year Yeah. in Stafford. Uh, and then we moved to Nambour for six months. Uh, and then uh, uh, parents bought uh, the what was at the time the Holden dealership in Karoi, up on the northern end of the sunny coast there. Um, and uh, lived there for six and a half years. Then uh, they built a mobile service station in Noosa Junction down Noosa so moved down to there in Christmas 72 there uh, and then uh, lived there mostly for 15 years uh, mum and dad got divorced mum moved to Brisbane uh, did lived with mum while I was doing high school but then was up the coast a lot so uh, sort of dad's place. So Noosa a lot for during those sort of childhood years and that sort of thing or yeah yeah that's right yeah. sort of been a di- quite a different place it was obviously very touristy back in the 80s Noosa uh, still is a bit yeah, um, yeah well that was in the 70s when we moved yeah. there yeah and it was very much just a, like a country town yeah, yeah. at the beach yeah, yeah. back then yeah and not, not very populated it would have been Everyone knew everyone. Oh, yeah. Tim, yeah. It's a very incredibly yeah. small town back then, yeah. I'd say, yeah. Mm. And obviously times have changed. So, and then what, uh, and then after Noosa, where did you sort of, uh, I guess, do your high school years and then early adulthood, that sort of thing? In Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah, in Brisbane, essentially. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, and they, they were good days. Uh, yeah, they were good days. Were you uh, still a north side, north side boy then, or? Um, at um, I, I, I sort of fall into that neither category now because I'm out at uh, Cinnamon Park, okay, yeah, which is sort of western suburbs and it's just over the river, so probably technically south side, but southwest, uh, yeah. yeah, southwest, yeah. Excellent. Um, and what did what did you sort of enjoy uh, doing when you were growing up? As far as uh, did you get involved in any sports? Or were you always sort of into the the IT and the tech? Uh, no, back in the eighties, no. no um, so, um, so Dad started out as a the Holden dealership. Yeah. Um, but then in '74 he changed that to be in a Honda dealership. Yep. And back in the day, uh, if you had a car dealership, you also had access to bikes and power products. Yep. So um, had motorbikes, um, rode motorbikes a lot, and uh, Dad was one of three blokes who uh, started AFL on the Sunshine Coast. So I played a lot of footy in, in my junior years for Noosa. And um, so, the, yeah, then we had the mobile petrol station in the junction and there was mechanics there. So I had uh, free motorbike and free petrol and free mechanics, Tim. Mm. So I just used to hop on a ride, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you played a bit of AFL. What sort of uh, whereabouts did you sort of play all over the park or in uh, a particular position? Uh, yeah, I played, played a lot of full forward in okay. my junior years. Kicked so a few goals. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did kick a few. Yeah, never managed a ten. Did did a number of six and seven in a game. Yeah, Excellent. but we were, we were back in those days. Um, uh, used to play on the full size ground. They didn't didn't cut down the grounds at all. Yeah, so you know when you when you're ten or eleven or twelve, it was a long way, hundred meters, hundred eighty meters to the other end. Yeah, yeah definitely big full-sized fields and yeah I can see how that 
So I guess that's a bit of, about uh, your background and where you sort of come from. Um, I guess uh, getting into uh, you know your young sort of working life. Tell us what you sort of got up to there. What were some of your first jobs? Um, and was IT one of those things you're always interested in back in your sort of late teens, early twenties? So I did um, uh, grade twelve in America in Denver. Wow. And, okay. And yeah, uh, which was. Uh, Dad had been there and discovered that there was because um, he stopped in Denver because we had some some distant relatives there, and discovered that there was two schools, two high schools, which are about um, oh, seven or eight kilometres apart, and just about geographically certain there was a facility that they both used, which they called a career enrichment park, and you could do any um, trade just about that you wanted there. So. Um, Dad got me uh, enrolled there to do mechanics and and because um, he always had a vision of me taking over the business. Yeah. So um, yeah, I did that and one semester I... I uh, so you did half the day at regular school and half the day at the career enrichment park. So uh, one semester I did computer math and math was always my best subject. And that like computer science or was it? Uh, it not, not that in depth. And I mean, you know, this was 81, 82. Yeah, so right. so right. It, it was all pretty new back then, yeah. So, but I did well in that subject. Uh, and then uh, subsequently when I came back, I did an apprenticeship with my dad and then... Uh, uh, started a relationship with a girl who was on the, from the coast but was at university in Rockhampton. Uh, so she transferred to Brisbane and I um, got a job with RACQ in Brisbane and got home from work one day and hopped out of the van and, and I, was, I remember you know, standing there and thinking to myself, like, do I even want to be a mechanic for the rest of my life? And I uh, nah. So, so this was um, like late 80s when you could just pull the pin on a, on a job and you know think, yeah, I'll get another job, no worries. Uh, so, which is what I did. And my older sister lived in Sydney uh, and was a, a trainer, an IT trainer back in those days. Um, and she'd just bought a new car off Dad, a Civic. Uh, so I asked me if I'd drive it down and she'd pay for my airfare back. So mum's from Sydney and got a couple of aunties and uncles and cousins and number of cousins down there so I decided to stay a week and got mucking around with with Therese my sister's laptops and stuff and then remembering I did well with the computer math class and thought yeah this is what I'll do so when I got back to Brizzy I did a course with a private organisation worked a couple of part-time jobs while I did that and uh, one of the part-time jobs that I worked was um, with Power Brewing in their sponsorship department. So uh, when I got near the end of the course, I, I bowled up to the IT manager and asked if I could have a week's work experience, which turned into a week and a half, and started out um, then as a trainee programmer on a, on a few evenings a week. So it was like an apprenticeship, and I had to do the nightly processing stuff as well. Yeah. And within six weeks, I was full time. So well, yeah, and, that's a story. Yeah, and that's how the IT started. That was twenty-seven and a half years ago. <coughs> yep. Okay. So, um, and obviously, so IT. It's always been in your blood from then on out. You always sort of the work that you've done has always sort of centred around some some form of technology. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've been purely in IT for the uh, since July '91. So yeah, sort of. Heading on towards 28 years. Gee, I guess, yeah. wow. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, okay. So I guess <laughs> I'd like to probably turn this more of into a bit from here on out, more of a sort of an educational podcast for the listeners just to find out a bit about, um, um, I guess, your area of expertise, which is uh, business process automation, John. That's it. Um, so tell, tell, just explain a little bit to the listeners a bit about what that actually is. What is business process automation? So it's using software, using programs to assist in automating all of the processes that you have in your business, uh, uh, be that sales processes, um, uh, customer nurturing, uh, project management, invoicing, uh, yeah, so that, and the, uh, 
the ultimate goal is to have every piece of data that's entered um, only entered once mm. ever and then as it's needed it can be mm. it moved along so it's all about efficiency it's all about you know as you said not duplicating where you you know save tasks that you know we duplicating tasks make it just one task does everything you need um, and just making it efficient process as well just fast and and working yeah so it's about saving time yeah and yeah. And, and and cutting down on your labor costs is this a very competitive sort of industry business process sort of automation I mean there's obviously lots of different companies that uh, have software solutions um, whether they CRMs or whatever they are uh, in this space do you see it as very competitive or the yeah the the that part of it is that there is there are a lot of uh, CRM um, programs. providers yeah yeah uh, not not so many project management programs uh, but uh, the service uh, provision of services and support around that stuff is actually a bit light on. Uh, there's not a lot of people who will help you um, determine what system, what type of system is best fits your needs, yeah. uh, help you implement the, do some training, mm. uh, and then provide support after you're up and running with it. Mm. What do you see as the most important part of the the whole process of you know automation? The integral piece of it, and uh, what I always recommend starting with first, is CRM. Yeah. Uh, you know, the customer relationship management. It's all about better nurturing your your leads slash prospects um, and uh, turning them into customers, and then looking after them you know, when once they are a customer, uh, so that you you've got a lot of touch points with them and a lot of those touch points can be automated you know? mm, uh, yes and and it, it it helps for the customer to feel like you actually value mm. them as a customer and value yeah. their business mm. yeah. so it's a bit about CRMs um, I guess how can they sort of work to be as efficient as possible I mean what what do they what what are some features I guess of a, a good CRM that's Going to going to have the efficiencies, and at the time, same time, sort of, you know, get get a good customer, um, you know, I guess feedback and that type of thing. Yeah, uh, so it, it's advantageous if you've got some material that's like educational type material, because uh, that's a, that's a great um, initial touch point um, is to provide some educational material. And you can have your CRM do that for you uh, via email most of the time, um, or you can you can actually provide it on your website as well, uh, and and you can you can capture uh, feedback from from the at probably at that time a prospect they are, uh, and uh, so and, and so right from the get go. Uh, you, you're saying to the to the prospect that you want to help. You you want to provide um, uh, education for them so that they can make more informed decisions about mm-hmm. what they might do with services, uh, and and uh, that it's not just about the money. You know, it's it's not just about invoicing people. Uh, you 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 actually want to help people, mm. so and then as you go along mm. uh, from there, uh, it's keeping a track of what has happened with that customer because it's not always uh, the same person. Keeping history, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not always the same person within the organisation that's um, going to have the the next contact with the with that person, uh, and and it's a, a really good look if the next person who in the process um, from within your organisation is fully up to speed with everything that's happened so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, what, what does um, project management do? And you mentioned that project management, there's probably not as many good solutions out there as that what there could be. What does that do that a CRM doesn't? 
Uh, so he can provide you with things like uh, timelines for for uh, pieces of work. Uh, so you can look at old Gantt charts. I remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, a great invention and and still, yeah, a fantastic tool for um, for projects and and running a project. Uh, you can set all of your your goal dates uh, and and um, your your completion criteria and stuff like and all of those your completion goals uh, and you can it's easy quick and easy visual way to see you know how you're traveling um, with respect to to meeting your goals uh, and it happens from time to time that you're not going to meet a goal you, well you'll know ahead of time and again you can then uh, communicate with your with your customer about why you're not going to reach that goal and what you intend to do to um, you know, as, a, as a consequence of not being able to reach that goal. Yeah. But the idea is that you know, you've got your visuals and you know where you're going to reach your goals. You can put budget numbers in there to make sure that mm-hmm. you're, you're reaching budget. And again, um, it's, it's not always just the one person involved in mm. the project and so everyone can be up to speed with the, exactly where it's all at. So is there sort of a shortcoming as, in your opinion as far as the project management software that's out there or tools that are used uh, in your opinion or is, it, is there something they're missing? Is uh, yeah, the, the, the one thing that they miss the most is um, the user experience. Yeah, uh, there's there's a number of them which are just too complicated and complex, and there's no way to make them simple. Uh, so the good ones uh, offer uh, custom customization. You can make it quite simple, or you can make it quite complex, uh, just depending on on what your requirements are, what your experience level as a user is. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's a good answer. So I guess can the CRM and project management can these types of softwares be tied together into either the same software or two separate pieces that work together? Uh, and also, how does these all link in with say if you're running and you've got an accounting software program and, and how they all connect? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the uh, the three there's three um, pieces of CRM software and project management software, which I recommend. Yeah. Uh, and they, they all do CRM and project management. Uh, and then I choose the three different ones for um, interoperability with yep. um, and how they, they work together with your accounting software. So if you're, if you're, um, if you're using uh, QuickBooks, mm-hmm. then I recommend iEnterprise. Yeah. Uh, if you're using Zero, uh, yep. then I recommend Insightly. Yep. Uh, and if you if you're not tied to either of those, or you're just starting out, then uh, I recommend Zoho and a, and a product of theirs called Zoho One, which does the full spectrum. It does CRM, project management, and the accounting, along with a, another of them. With other things, there's like nearly 40 modules in Zoho One. So, yeah. How long have you known about Zoho for? I've known about Zoho for oh, a good number of years now. Yeah, I, I, uh, have they just got a lot better with what they're doing? Or? Absolutely, yeah. And the Zoho One product, which has um, been in existence for 18 months or so now, is excellent. Um, I've, I've had a, an interest oh, since the early 2000s in um, enterprise resource planning, it's called, otherwise yeah, known yeah. as ERP. Yeah, exactly, Tim. Yeah. So the the whole the Zoho One is basically a, an ERP product. When you put um, Insightly together with with Zero, that's basically an ERP product. Yeah. yeah. It, t- together they make an ERP product. Yeah. So yeah, I've had an interest in that field for for a long time, and followed a number of different. Um, products that have sort of come and gone and is still around but haven't really ever cut the mustard. Yeah. Uh, so. Hmm. 
So tell, tell us some other areas where you might apply some automation type uh, systems. Uh, so uh, right at the beginning of the process um, in lead generation. Okay. Yeah. So um, the artificial intelligence um, is is getting better all the time, and there's a uh, there's a there's an AI war at the moment between China and the US. Mm. So uh, there's a, a number of AI products for uh, for automating social media content production, uh, and then. Uh, so you, you can actually uh, create blog articles now with with AI, uh, and then uh, and I've, yeah, I've heard that AI can even write the news. Is that yeah, it, yeah, and um, uh, the Guardian, uh, which is one news source in particular, uses quite a bit of AI. Yeah. So they 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 um, use that to to a different extent with different things. Yeah. So <laughs> so it, yes. Um, the the um, when it has a name attached to an article, that name well may well be just the person who who said go on the artificial intelligence to generate the the article. Yeah. Um, so a video is uh, a big part of um, social media yep. today and and marketing in general. Uh, and then so there's a number of things that you can do with um, video, uh, like putting closed captions uh, on video. So that's all automated. Mm. 75% of um, video that's watched on social media is done with the audio off. Uh, so if you haven't got captions on the video, you, you, you've lost already. So, yeah, I see that's yeah. quite common. You know, a lot of a lot of those things, you, it's they're captioned automatically, and it's very good. They don't really get anything wrong with the wording. It's it's uh, it's very accurate, um, and that's just is that just really just technology doing its thing? Yeah, and it's getting better all the time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that's um, very good nowadays. The the speech to text, um, and and you can find it just on your phone as well. The speech to text, you know. Yep. Uh, you yeah, can of course you just yeah. send a message on uh, using Siri or. Or the you know instant messaging, yeah, yeah the, or the or the Google Assistant, you know, yeah. you know the OK Google or mm. yeah, or OK Siri, whatever you have, and you just talk to and it. And I find it. I mean, I find that even very helpful when you're sort of um, you're busy and you can't so you can't you can't access a, your keyboard very readily. And you just press a button and speak into it, and, and just say, and they'll send the message. You know, that's it's just where we've got to now, and that's become more of the norm for me anyway. Yeah. So and um, so when I when I'm driving, I have my headset plugged into the phone all the time, and uh, and so I've got an Android phone, so I'm the OK Google, and I just OK Google, and it goes ding ding, and yeah. and I uh, call Tim Wilshire. Yeah. And it's OK calling Tim Wilshire mobile, or 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 if you've got two numbers, there, it will ask me, do you want to call? Tim at work or Tim on mobile. Yeah, I, yeah. I see that. I mean, and <laughs> you get some weird stuff that happens too. Like I'm trying to call my wife, and for some reason she's got a New Zealand number saved in there. And and she, do you want to ring the, the the number in New Zealand? <laughs> it's pretty crazy what um, what the AI is sort of coming up with these days. And you know, uh, it even knows like who your favourite brother is and stuff like that you don't even have to tell them it just says <laughs> yeah. okay well you're, t- you're talking to this one more so he must be your favourite brother or something like I don't know what the criteria is but yeah, yeah well <laughs> well Google and Facebook in particular um, they're, they're watching and looking and listening to everything you uh, do I was going to ask you about that I mean do you, I was, it is true that um, you know Facebook Google y- you're you're using the stuff on your phone, Facebook on your phone, smartphone, using Google, Chrome or whatever on your phone. Um, you, you're saying some stuff and then all of a sudden it puts an ad up that's that's responsive to something you've just said. Is, is, that, is that true that they do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, yes. Um, um, and like further to that, you, you go to a... Um, you know, a particular location, and the next thing there's ads for businesses that in that are area, in, yeah. in that area. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that makes sense. I mean, that's yeah. so you know, you're in one part of the world, you know, you 
you might get flooded by a couple of messages as okay, well this this place is open, go there, you know. Whether they get in pay you know, whether they're paying for that advertising, I don't know, but it's obviously done somehow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And um, uh, a, 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 a friend might um, uh, post a bit of video from from uh, from down at the beach, and you commented on it about great surf. Mm. And next thing you know, there's ads for surfboards and, and <laughs> board shorts and towels and stuff. Yeah, yeah popping up in your newsfeed. Yeah. yeah. So automating the distribution of content, um, I mean, obviously, as part of a social media strategy in 2019, lots of small businesses, uh, I guess we're talking about Brisbane, uh, lots of small businesses are basically trying to automate the distribution of content, or that some of them are doing it, some of them are doing it better than others. Um, that's obviously, how effective is that? And uh, do you think that these businesses uh, that are got the, that automation right for their for that type of thing with social media have an advantage? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, Google is looking for signals and uh, out on the internet to uh, determine you know the value of 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 a business. Mm. Uh, and for the most part, it's it's content. Um, uh, Google has uh, what they call the the um, the eight, as in A T E, mm. principle, which is um, authority, trust, and um, whew, now I've forgotten what the E is, but yeah, you can look it up. Yeah, um, uh, and expertise. Sorry, yeah, authority, expertise. trust, and expertise. Yep. So. Uh, if you can provide um, Google with a lot of signals um, that exhibit authority, trust, expertise, that's exactly what they're looking for. So the, if you post a video on um, Facebook uh, and it's got authoritative content in it, uh, that'll be one signal to Google. If you also post that video on, on Instagram, that's two signals to Google. If you post it on LinkedIn, that's three signals to Google. If you extract the audio out of it and put that on a, po- on a podcast, there's four signals to Google. Uh, and the more signals that you can send to Google about you and or your business as an authority uh, and, and then have some interaction which signals trust. Um, and and answer questions which signals expertise, uh, the more likely that Google is to uh, rank you as an authority when people search for that type of stuff. And and I guess more likely that your stuff is going to get seen one way or another. That's right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and um, uh, we we distribute um, daily... Uh, when we're doing um, programs for people, we distribute daily video and audio and podcasts, and then text. The text to um, blog blogs we do once a week. Mm-hmm. So but we'll, we do um, like up to a dozen social media channels, and we do up to nine podcast channels every day. And there's the only way to physically get that done is to have the whole process automated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Um, so yeah, what? So I guess um, with what constant, what do you do with Constant Tech at the moment? What what um, is some of your typical clients? What are they big, um, getting you to help them with the most out of the whole automation process? I mean, where what what are you sort of doing, and what are they doing to make? I guess what's your sort of main job in the whole process? Just getting it all working properly. Yeah. So uh, invariably, it starts with CRM. Um, yeah, yep. so as I was saying earlier, it, it's it's the, the the most crucial piece of it. Uh, get that bettered down, and then build around the CRM. Um, both, you know, um, generally after the CRM, what comes after project management and and, and um, integrating with accounting. Um, generally, the integrating with accounting sort of comes straight up as as well. Uh, and then you can fit project management in uh, and then uh, possibly uh, what comes before 
um, the CRM, which was is lead generation and um, and funneling sales funnels they're called and yep. funneling them into the CRM. Mm. Uh, so and how does that sort of lead generation integrate with the rest of the business process? Then is it how does it all tie together? So uh, essentially, we use social media, video, yep. on social media and, and audio um, on podcasts. Uh, to generate leads and uh, then uh, quite often we'll use um, chatbots for the initial um, contact to uh, with messaging uh, with the view to then um, having a person uh, contact that uh, prospect so and then once they're a, a prospect um, their their details are uh, uh, entered into your CRM and then progressively built on mm. yeah. Let's, can I ask a couple of questions about chatbots um, yeah. what, with chatbots in 2019 I mean just in from what I've seen in my opinion there should be a bit more in, a bit more intelligence going on with, with chatbots um, I mean I, I was looking at chatbots three years ago at a particular conference and I was saying, gee, by 2019 it's just going to be so down pat. It's going to be, it's going to be more, um, it's going to be like, you know, Googling every, you know, you know how you sort of use Siri and all that to find all the information out about stuff, you know, outside of your sphere. You're going to be able to use a chatbot and know everything in your sphere. Is it, to me, I haven't seen that as much as I thought I would have. Uh, that's correct, yeah. Uh, and Why is that, do you think? Uh, it's just taking a little while to evolve, Tim. Yeah, it's, it's proving to be a, a bit more of a, a, a mountain to, to climb than what it perhaps first appeared. Um, Google has a, a great product now that they call Dialogflow, uh, yep. which is a natural language chatbot. Yep. Uh, uh, and... Part of the problem too has been um, um, the lack of transparency around it, and and people are, are pretty tech savvy generally nowadays, and and they pick up on it, you know. Uh, they they can tell that they're automated responses. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're talking. Uh, we're talking about you, you, with chatbots. You're getting the sort of automated responses that are. Maybe there's a bit of intelligence that you might see, but then if you sort of dwell too far, it's just not, is it? That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. And um, you know, you can ask a few different questions, you don't get the same response, which is the you know, I don't know what to what else to respond with from the chatbot. Yeah. You know, mm. uh, and then and then another big thing is that um, uh, you'll get a response which is. Uh, you know, a couple of paragraphs of text, and it'll appear in 1.3 seconds. You know, and there's no way that anyone could have possibly typed it that fast. So it's all predictive. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so you know, straight away, you know, you're not talking to a person. You know? You're not chatting with a person. You're chatting with a with a computer. Well, well it's, it's yeah. a bot. You know. It's yeah. Yeah. So, so actually, the the. Uh, the best way to account for that is to say right up front, um, you're chatting with a bot, mm. you know? uh, and so you're not creating any false expectations. Mm. So you're chatting with a bot. Um, I'm here to help you out and find out exactly what you um, are looking for, uh, and so that I can pass on then uh, relevant information to a, a real person who'll who'll get in touch with you. Yeah. Uh, but the natural language is getting better. Uh, and then um, the other thing that um, uh, has arrived and is developing better as well is the is the avatars. Uh, so tell me about that. It's uh, they're uh, uh, so I mean traditionally um, a bot would just have a like a an avatar still, you know, just be, and uh, well now they've got animated avatars, and uh, they're they're actually starting to develop um, uh, real life avatars so you can you can uh, sit yourself in front of a video and and uh, turn around 360 degrees uh, and uh, uh, talk a, a bit of standard text and from that 
it'll it'll produce a, an avatar which is a real life avatar and if you tie that in with the natural language thing mm. um, probably in two or three years I'd say at this stage uh, you won't be you you will honestly believe that you're talking to a real person yeah. yeah I think I've heard about this and I've I mean not so much heard about it I think it's not far from being around the corner and it's probably going to blow a few people away when it when it sort of really becomes prominent and you're going to get it's going to catch a few people off guard uh, in that they're going to have somebody that actually said something and, and they didn't actually say it. Um, <laughs> so they're basically, you know, using whatever they've said in the past and like this Donald Trump, let's say for an example, he might have said something and then, you know, everyone knows that he, even without this sort of, this, this sort of technology, that he's, he's a loose cannon anyway. But it, so that means it's quite easy to, to put whatever you want out of that comes out of his mouth, isn't it? And basically said that he said it. Absolutely. That, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the danger, and that could certainly get a lot of people into trouble. Well, this is right. And, you know, and um, prominent people like that, there's lots of video that can be used um, you know, to, to get a base uh, avatar from, uh, and, uh, and then away it goes. And they will, it won't be too long down the track before... Um, you know, you'd be able to make it appear as though uh, you know, the president of China stood up and said A, B, and C. You know, mm-hmm. when when you know they didn't actually say anything. You know, haven't ever said that. No, I mean, I just think this is just a big danger. I can just see big danger sort of on the horizon for for this type of thing because you know we're talking crimes that could happen. You could something could get filmed. Something could be some sort of you could you could have like you know surveillance cameras that get that uh, get manipulated quite easily that something's actually happened but that didn't actually happen and it's it's saying well look we've got a surveillance camera you you were caught doing this da 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 you're, you're going to jail but I no well, you know someone's played with technology here yeah yeah that's yeah absolutely um, and um, you know, uh, personal data will. Um, and the protection of personal data will become even more of an issue than what it is now because, um, uh, you know, if I, I can um, you know, get a hold of your um, address and your driver's licence number and stuff, you know, I can, I can start to build um, a, a, a fraudulent profile of you. But, there, but there's, you know, quite a bit of work to do. To, uh, but those processes are getting automated, as you say. You know. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so yeah. You, you, all, all it takes, you know, all it will take in a couple of years for is not much. It's, it's exactly right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. How they're going to? How, how's the people who who approve IDs going to know what's what? And, and what's going on? You know? Exactly. You know, and um, you know, I just uh, I, I know. You know where you hang out, and and uh, you know video cameras are so small that I can put one under the collar of my shirt, and you know, and I just um, go and and rec- I don't even have to be in the conversation with you. You know, I just record a bit of the conversation of you with some friends, and the next minute I've uh, you know I can create a, an avatar, and and I'm Tim Wilchie. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's it, it there. Yes, there's. Um, uh, it's going interesting times ahead, Tim. Yeah, and how we we protect against this because you know, if there's if someone perceives that there's some money to be made somewhere, mm-hmm. um, they'll they'll try and make that money. Yeah. So authenticity for things like um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you've got the process that these these large companies go through in order to get authenticated to be the actual real person. Mm. That's in, that's obviously in place at the moment, but that's going to be in jeopardy at some point, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we we're going to have to come up with with something, uh, yeah, because like you know, with the the uh, like cameras and and how good cameras are nowadays, you know, I can take some a picture or some video of your eye, because mm. uh, you know eyes are being used as an identification. Yep. Um, you know, I can recreate your eye perfectly in yep. an avatar. You know, mm. that's that's going to that's coming in the in the near future. 
Mm. Uh, so and and you know fingerprints. Uh, it's the case now that you you only have to walk past someone, uh, and if if your credit cards, well you know, and debit cards are uh, not in uh, shielded um, packaging, yep. uh, the scanners can pick up the the details from those cards. Yeah, yeah? Uh, and well, that's been around for a while too. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you don't hear yeah. too much. I mean, I don't. You don't hear too much of. I mean, it happens. Yes, but you don't hear too much of that. Uh, in the news, do you? No, you don't. No, because no, um, uh, banks don't want to talk about it. No, uh, at all. Uh, um, so the banks are protecting some stuff going on at all yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, it's it's not much of a leap at all to to think that um, that sort of technology can be used to scan fingerprints. You know, just by walking past someone. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you've got their eyes, you've got yeah. their fingerprints. <laughs> so you've been in, you've been in the tech space for a, a long time, John. I mean, you you've uh, been involved in creating apps and, and that sort of thing. And, um, and what other sort of stuff did you get up to in the '90s? What sort of technologies were you sort of uh, fond of then? Uh, kept up to date with? What did you sort of use to your advantage back in the '90s when it came to technologies? Uh, so websites were yep. you know, a big thing, here yep. and, and um, that sort were, of before that were, Facebook and yeah, yeah, before all the social media yeah, evolution, um, it was the website evolution in the late nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was. Did you sort of go through a phase at all of trying to say, okay, well, shit. What are the good domain names I want to try to get and bloody, you know, protect uh, I'll them? tell you what, they went pretty quick, hey. They went pretty quick. Like uh, I remember uh, some ones back in 1999. I was thinking, oh, shit, what would be a good one? You know, do, do, do. we registered a few back then, but we we weren't in a position, you know, as, as a 20-year-old, I wasn't in a position to sort of register for a heap of good ones, you know. Mm. And companies are going to keep creating themselves. So there's going to be companies that come out, like Facebook, um, which came out after that sort of time. Yeah, imagine having that website address. Imagine having, you know, all these companies that are just gone and gone, you know, Twitter and Instagram, all these big companies owning those sort of domain names. Yeah, well, and, uh, and that's something that happens uh, when a, a, pretty much anyone who's, who's going to release a product... Uh, you know whether they're a, a, a big company or, or a small business, mm. um, they check that the domain name, a relevant domain name, is available before mm. they do it. And, and if it's not, then well, we have to call it something else. Yeah. You know, so we can get the domain name for yeah. it. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. And mm. I, I sort of go through that whenever I'm sort of thinking, and I don't think this very often, but I, I, here's a cool name. I want to protect. I want to be known as this name in the future, or I want to at least consider that as an option. I'm going to register that domain name, you know, something like something advisory or, you know, something that's going to, could could sort of stick out and be easily, you know, so that you register those sort of names if if you can sort of uh, be, you know, be done with it, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, and then sort of, uh, I mean, the social media generate or the social media decade that we're pretty much in now is just, that's what it's been, the social media decade, the Facebook decade, whatever you want to call you know, 2010 to 2020. Um, what's next, though? What do you see? A lot of people say artificial intelligence is just going to get better. Anything that sort of people might not necessarily be thinking is going to be the next big thing, but something that you might put it, place a bet on? Uh, well, artificial intelligence is definitely going to get better. Um, you know, um, when there was the Cold War between America and Russia, military um, technology advanced at a real rate you know, uh, you know, we, we turned microwaves into smart bombs you know that you could you could fly in through the front door of a building um, and uh, and there is now um, a, a similar sort of cold war between America and China with artificial intelligence They've, um, uh, just uh, yeah, yeah, in, that. Yeah. yeah in the last couple of months, um, America uh, and Donald Trump has has um, allocated a lot of funds and re- and resources to developing AI in the states to in uh, and with a deliberate intention of staying ahead of China, um, and uh, and China 
uh, have a goal of being the leader in the world in in AI. Uh, so you know, there's the the two the two biggest uh, economies um, duking it out in in artificial intelligence. So it's it uh, it's really going to progress fast over the next few years. How far back did you see China as a, as a threat uh, growing up? Did you sort of, as a, I'm talking like an economic uh, technology threat, um, back in 1970 they wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have considered them a threat, would you? No, no. So when, did no, you, when do you think that first uh, became prevalent for you? Oh, sort of early 2010s, I thought. So not that long ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, what, what um, sort of struck me with China um, and and made me... Because everyone uh, think that Japan was going to be like the, the country that sort of was like a real powerhouse. Um, every car was made in Japan, yeah. every television was made in so, Japan. Yeah. So what's... what's uh, where have China actually come from, do you think? You, you, they've obviously been a communist place for so long, all of a sudden you become a powerhouse. Yes, and this is what actually uh, dawned on me... Um, Initially, to, to make me feel like China was you know a, a, a nation that was going to go places and do things. Um, in in my view, China has undertaken the biggest task um, that's ever been undertaken in the entire history of the world, mm. and that is to to move one and a half billion people from communism to capitalism. Uh, I mean. The, the uh, most challenging process in business is mm. the change process. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and that's in business of any size. Five, five people in a yep. business, is, it's still much. So, you know, you want to change the, the whole structure of the way your country works for one and a half billion people. Mm. It's a super huge task to manage. Yeah. Um, and, and they're getting it done, you know. They're, they're make, actually making it happen. And I figured it, you know, if they can successfully manage the biggest task by far that's ever been undertaken, they can pretty much manage anything, I'd, I'd reckon. Mm. And, yeah, so Japan, what, what's your sort of feelings on where they're at in the whole tech space at the moment? Uh, they're, they're sort of uh, looking, a bit, um, looking a bit like Nokia, you know, um, and others like that, um, Xerox, uh, uh, companies that were the be-all and end-all in a particular sector, and 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 just failed to you know innovate further uh, and move. And uh, you know, there's still a lot of Japanese cars um, manufactured and sold um, around the world nowadays, but just about all of them made in Thailand. No? Okay. They're they're, um, they're they're actually Thai vehicles now, uh, and and um, uh, a lot of electronic products which were made in Japan are all just about made in China nowadays or Taiwan. Um, talk to the Chinese, and that's part of China anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they they uh, as a result of the Second World War. Um, Japan were were forced to to um, you know, modernise and um, reinvent themselves basically, and and then and they haven't very much since then. Uh, where and you know, whereas China certainly has. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you been to sort of you, you have you spent much time in China yourself? No, no, no. I've not actually ever been to China. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I, um, I believe your brother's in China. Yeah, too. my brother Nick. Uh, shout out to Nick. I'll be seeing him in about less than a month anyway. Yeah. And seeing Tokyo as well. So it'd be a bit of a trip um, around Easter time. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been in Shenzhen and just seeing what, what's happened in that part of the world just in the last, since 2010, is uh, quite astronomical. Mm. And. Uh, you know, obviously these people come, they come out of something, you know, they, they it's a completely new generation of, of Chinese, as you said, it's, um, you've got this generation that's a very westernised and, and very um, different in the, what they, what they, completely different to, to how their, you know, fathers and grandfathers were, 
uh, in you know otherwise you don't get this sort of evolution you don't get this sort of uh, growth this sort of being such a powerhouse uh, without yeah. making some some changes along the way yeah. um, so it's it's very very interesting what what will happen there uh, we live in a fairly still live in a big world I think it's still a large global world we sometimes we look at Brisbane we look at our own backyard we see that it's a very very small two degrees of separation we if we had a look at our LinkedIn connections we've probably got about probably 150 shared connections or something you know it's it's a very small place and yeah there's and, and there's not many um, uh, third level connections on LinkedIn anymore yeah, yeah, yeah you have first first or second mm. yeah covers just about the whole the whole, whole field yeah. <laughs> it pretty much does um, Brisbane where do you uh, let's let's talk a bit a little bit about Brisbane to finish off the cast um, with Brisbane and you spent a lot of time here you've been back to Melbourne back to Brisbane though now um, do you think that Brisbane has the right tools in place to be able to evolve as you know a technological sort of powerhouse as part of Australia or yeah, um, the the great thing about um, Brisbane is we've always had that Queenslander yeah. mentality about yeah. us. You know? yeah, um, yeah, we we uh, uh, rightly or wrongly, you know, uh, justifiably or or you know, not justifiably, um, believe that we can take on pretty much anything and and succeed with it. Uh, and you know, 80% attitude, 20% aptitude. Yeah, it's uh, uh, definitely got a great attitude towards um, success in Brisbane. I mm. think. Yeah. Yeah. So, as far as travel yourself, uh, John, have you sort of uh, what parts of the world have you been to that that, that you enjoyed seeing and, and that sort of thing? I. I um, I went to New Guinea. Um, New Guinea, so, yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, uh, yeah, spent a few weeks um, on a school holidays with a friend who's who was in boarding school in Brisbane. His parents um, are in New Guinea, and um, yeah, that memory's always stayed with me. Uh, it it um, uh, just just a lot different, you know, to Australia, I guess. So it was. Um, striking from from that point, uh, and uh, I mean, we get to um, I think unjustifiably hear um, a lot of horror stories out of you know from you know New Guinea's meant to be this hellhole. My experience was that it was a, a nice place, uh, full of really friendly people. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's I'd I'd go back to. New Guinea again, actually. I, 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 uh, Very interesting. Any other places? Um, well, I've, um, I've, I've um, I, I don't think I'd go back to the states again. Really. So you've been. To the, what parts of the states have you been to? Uh, the western side of, of so LA. Yeah, San Francisco, um, uh, Vegas. Lived in um, Denver. Yeah, for, so what, for the year. So how long did you live in Denver for when you were there? You were, it was ten months. It was so yeah, less, just under a year. Yeah, it would have been cold in the Rockies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the um, coldest day. Um, we were heading to school uh, one morning. It was uh, minus thirteen Fahrenheit, and mm. um, the wind chill made it minus twenty Fahrenheit. You know, which is about minus thirty something Celsius. Oh, right. <laughs> It was a touch cool, Tim. A touch cool. Oh. Yeah. But what did you think of Denver as a place? Is it just a was it just you were just there, um, or did, is there something about the place that you you will be drawn to go back there one day? Uh, well, I mean, it's in a nice part of the world, you know, scenic part of the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, it was it was reasonably remote in terms of America. Yeah. Um, so it was eighty one, eighty two. Um, but um, there doesn't seem to be anywhere too much in the states now that's reasonably remote. Um, uh, they um, they have as a social. It's my opinion that as a social experiment, um, they're not doing too well in the United States, uh, and and that'd be the the biggest reason why I don't want to 
go back again. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, back then, it, w- it was it was good. You know, it was a great experience as a young mm. person. That's a long um, time ago now, too. When you think about that. Yeah, yeah. So and and um, you know, there, there was a, uh, it was a lot like Australia. You know, you could you could walk down the street freely. You know, catch a bus from here to there you know at night and whatever and mm. and it was it was safe you know I'd, i used to um i used to walk about a k and a half to go ice skating uh, across across some football and baseball fields um yeah you know, and, and i'd walk home at 10 30 at night you know but it, you just wouldn't do that nowadays in america uh, so in, in a lot of it yeah Obviously, you have you still have your safe places, I'm sure, but it's just a, you know, it's probably a lot of dangerous area. Half the half of America is dangerous, maybe when you consider where you want to walk. And I mean, I even heard a lady that uh, came stayed with us um, last year in the Apex Club. She um, from Milwaukee, and even Milwaukee's a shithole. You know, just the middle of Brewer Town. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, you know. Yeah. So like, really, Milwaukee. Yeah didn't know too much about that being a bad place but you always hear the stories about Detroit LA um, you know Texas uh, Louisiana you know yeah, yeah somewhere I'd I actually I'd love to go back to I've, I've only been once for a couple of weeks and that's Western Australia mm-hmm. uh, yeah I've only I've only done a quick trip to Perth that's all I've ever done uh, as far as WB so I haven't seen much of it certainly love to see more of it yeah yeah, there's plenty to see in yeah, Western plenty, Australia. Yeah, plenty to see. My dad has been there for like a year. He's been he's been over that way for a whole twelve months, and yeah. it's been, you know, from the top down to the bottom of, of uh, Western Australia. Yeah, yeah, and um, a couple of bits in, that were significant in my trip was uh, uh, just down south of um, Perth. Uh, um, there's a town called Pemberton, which has a, a Tree called the bicentennial tree, yeah, um, and uh, it's it's big. But then about forty k's sort of northwest of Pemberton, so heading back towards Perth, um, there's the bicentennial tree, and it's even bigger. Uh, Didn't know about these. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we were, did Pemberton, and we were there in the morning, stayed overnight in Pemberton, did the tree, and then uh, the the the, um, the the Gloucester tree. Sorry, it is in in Pemberton. Um, and then um, yeah, up north, a bit further north, it, mm. there's the bicentennial tree, and uh, it was in the afternoon by the time we got to there, and um, the Fremantle doctor was starting to blow, and the top of this tree was moving a good couple of metres. Mm. Uh, so. Um, so networking, I, I did wanted to sort of touch on this. We sort of know each other through networking. Uh, what is your favourite type of networking? Do you like the breakfast better than the sort of after work functions? Yeah, I, I do um, like the breakfast um, networking better. Uh, the after work functions are more have more of a social aspect to them. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, it, and you know, you can you can socialise sort of anywhere, you know, anytime. Um, when I'm networking, I'm doing it be- for the benefit of my business, you know. Um, uh, having said that, it's important to not sell at networking. <laughs> Don't try and sell at networking. So, um, yeah, the breakfast and or lunch networking people are more inclined to be focused on on business development. Mm. Uh, uh, and and if it's a if it's um, a bit structured as well, the the event itself, um, then then people are. Mm. Uh, um, more inclined to be focused on the mm. business development and uh, so you sort of like smaller networking situations smaller groups or do you like I mean or do you like uh, going to the Chamber of Commerce type events as well uh, the Chamber of Commerce is um, with the you know the bigger and the other bigger ones are more of a long term prospect um, the smaller ones are, are easier to develop relationships and um, that's what I see networking as being all about is developing relationships uh, um, it, 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 so yeah for me it's not so much about business development per se it's about 
relationship development mm. and the business development, you know, will take care of itself as a consequence of, mm. of building relationships. Mm. So, John, believe it or not, we've sort of hit the hour mark and I'm not sure if there's much hope, much more you've uh, wanted to add and, and tell our listeners, but I think we've covered off on quite some good some good content, a bit of like, some really good stories that you sort of come up with a bit about your background and, and some of the, your situations, some opinions is always good as well. Anything else that you... That, that I've forgotten or that there's anything that you'd like to sort of add? Oh, well, Tim, you've covered some stuff that I didn't think that we might be covering. So, yeah, that always yeah, happens. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great and really appreciate the opportunity that you've given me. No, thanks for taking the opportunity to be on the podcast today. Uh, it's been great to have you on and, uh, and thank you very much for uh, coming and uh, doing this, uh, John. No doubt we'll catch up again next week. Um, at the KBBG Wednesday breakfast. Uh, that'll be on the Wednesday the 27th yes, of, that's it. Uh, of March 2019 at the Ro- Rose and Edward, I think it is. That's so if anyone wants yeah. to come along, uh, John and myself will be prevalent at, the, uh, at that particular uh, networking function. Um, so look forward to that. So have a great weekend all. That's been From the Valley Podcast episode 34 here on Friday the 22nd of November 2019. God bless you all.